Welcome. Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and with me as always is my producer, Mason. How are you doing today, Mason? Well, I'm a little warm, but otherwise I'm doing just fine. Yeah, it is pretty hot here, and we don't have AC in the uh, studio where we're at. So if you hear a little noise, it's our fan, and we don't apologize for that. <laughs> and uh, also joining us and back for a second tour of duty is uh, Sean Campbell. How are you today, Sean? Uh, I, I could be a little better, but you know, I'm here and I'm ready to talk some soccer. All right. Very good. Anything wrong? Just feeling a little ill? Eh, just, just a little under the weather, but I'll be fine. Ah. All right. You can push through. He's a he's our champion, by the way. Uh, we've got a big show. We got an interview with a uh, former managing editor of SBI Soccer and uh, Twitter icon Larry Henry Jr. in this episode. But before that, we do have some St. Louis City news that we'll cover. And uh, first of all, today, Carol, owner Carolyn Kendall Betts was on KMOX's St. Louis talk show. She had a couple of things to say, nothing really breaking there. She did admit to not being a soccer fan when the whole process started. Uh, she had never watched a match before, but she says that has changed since in the last three years in the process of getting the team started. She also mentioned that the club is having interesting, her quotes, interesting discussions with corporations on uh, them joining Perina and sponsoring the club and about a stadium sponsor. Uh, she said to hope to have news at the end of the year. However, just before we stepped in the studio, uh, St. Louis City dropped on Twitter, quote, Tomorrow we take another big step in the evolution of our club. Are you ready? Well, I'd been more ready if you did that today, but uh, <laughs> we'll follow up on that next week for you. Also uh, on Twitter, I guess they had a ceremonial signing of the last steel beam that's going to be installed in the structure of the stadium. Uh, Lutz Feinensteel and other uh, people around the club were there to sign it. So things are really moving along. And uh, that's about all I've got for St. Louis City this week. Next week might be a different story, unless they're really teasing us with that tweet today. Uh, but uh, first of all, don't want to hold you up anymore. we got a very interesting interview with Larry Henry Jr. We'll be covering the Gold Cup, USMT, uh, what to look for in the World Cup qualifiers, news on transfers, and a lot of other stuff. Very interesting fellow with a lot to say. You're really going to enjoy it. So without further ado... Let's talk with Larry Henry Jr. Okay, with me today is Larry Henry Jr. Many of you may know him from his uh, numerous posts on uh, Twitter. And uh, also, until very recently, had been managing editor at SBISoccer.com. And he, amongst other things. So we're very pleased to welcome Larry Henry Jr. How are you doing today, Larry? Good. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, glad to be with you as we uh, get ready to dive into a whole bunch of different topics. So uh, very excited to be here. Okay. And uh, what do you got currently got going on? I know you just uh, very recently left with uh, Ivis at uh, SBI Soccer as he took it all in-house. Anything special we can look forward to? Um, yeah. I mean, still, uh, you know, I started a sub stack of my own uh, upper 90 soccer uh, at Substack, uh, just to 
kind of keep busy and um obviously i know i have a, a following in when it comes to americans abroad and u.s men's national team and and other topics so uh staying busy there and then also um still going to be helping out with international champions cup uh the summer tournament here in the u.s uh they have their own website um at the same name mm. uh so uh still helping out there with some some premier league english premier league and also uh whatever else needed so um, yeah, so, uh, that, that for now is what I got going on and obviously doing a lot of watching, uh, you know, games on TV and keeping tabs on all these players. Mm -hmm. And speaking of keeping tabs on players, us being, well, we're going to be a St. Louis city SC, uh, podcast, not a lot going on with the team this far in advance, but we're keeping track of things. And St. Louis's own Josh Sargent was officially announced today, this afternoon with, uh, Norwich city in the premier league. Uh, kind of exciting news. Another uh, top tier player for the U.S. team. Yeah, uh, it was a, definitely a, a move that um, we, you know, we saw over the weekend. Obviously, the reports had come out about uh, Norwich City kind of closing in on a deal, and uh, that became official today. Uh, just as I was getting home from work, so uh, great timing, and uh, I think it's a exciting signing not only for the club uh, because you know they're back in the Premier League this season and hoping to try and stay there consistently, but I think for Josh Sargent, this is this could be the start of obviously something. Uh, uh, big for him because he's going back to a top five league. Obviously, did well with uh, Werder Bremen in the chances he did ha have over the last few seasons. Um, did obviously well in the, in the game he played earlier, uh, you know, this season against Dusseldorf and having two goals scored. Um, so I think. I think it's a win-win for both parties. Um, Josh gets to go now to uh, Norwich City, which obviously will be fighting to stay in the league, but uh, has some really good, talented guys on the roster. Uh, I mean, you look at the roster they have. Uh, Timu Puki is probably the kind of the headliner when you look at uh, goal-scoring ability, but um, Milot Rashik. Rashika, who was also with him uh, at Werder Bremen, also made the move this summer. So those two know each other very well. And uh, Todd Cantwell, who's kind of been on the radar of a lot of uh, Premier League sides uh, over the last few seasons, uh, you know, he's he's obviously going to do a lot in midfield. So uh, I think for Josh, it's a, it's a good step for him going to the situation. Um, obviously, will be interesting to see how the, the how much playing time he gets uh, there, because like some of the guys I had mentioned uh, can play in some advanced roles. But uh, overall, I think it's a good move for him. And uh, now it's all about uh, taking it into this season because they start off on Saturday against Liverpool. Won't be easy first game, but uh, I think it's exciting for him. Yeah, and uh, I do know Werder Bremen just going, being relegated, losing the probably their two best players is going to really hurt them. Norwich City, on the other hand, been a yo-yo team uh, up and down between the championship and the Premier League the last couple of years, but they managed to hold on to a great part of their team when they went down the championship, and I remember hearing that was kind of their their plan. They didn't really spend, overdo anything when they went in the Premier League, Uh Kind of little quick for them. They decided they could take the team down the championship and come back with a stronger squad. And they do have a pretty attractive style of football. So we'll see how it goes. They're just up, but uh, they may be in a pretty good uh, place uh, roster wise to stay up at least for one more year in the Premier League, maybe longer. For sure. Uh, I think uh, I think that they're going to be fun to watch uh, this season more than when they were up the last time. Uh, like you said, t kept a lot of guys uh, from that 
that last time that they did get relegated and obviously brought in some guys like Rashishka and also so now Josh Sargent uh, coming in. So, uh, and I think Daniel Fark uh, is, um, you know, is obviously a good manager. He's been done well to get the team back here. Um, the big thing for them is, you know, can they kind of beat the teams around them uh, that's going to be fighting in the relegation race? Because we see it every year in the Premier League and also some of the other top five leagues, um, you know, the teams that do get promoted. Um, can they kind of contend with those teams that they're going to be fighting with? Obviously, the games against Manchester City and Liverpool, um, you know, Chelsea, uh, Manchester United are going to be tough. But um, I think it's it's a great situation for Josh now because uh, he gets a chance to work with some some new guys. Uh, maybe obviously see him in a different role because we've seen him before as a lead striker. Now he'll probably be playing maybe more on the wing or as a second striker uh, with Timu Puki if he starts right away. Um, so, and I think he obviously does, uh, has a great work rate. He, he runs a lot and, and runs through the channels. So, um, overall, I think, like I said, it's a win-win for both parties and, um, you know, we'll see how they go in the early going, because like I said, they start with Liverpool uh, and just like any newly promoted team, you want to start off strong as everybody does. So, um, so it'll be fun to watch and another, another young American now in the Premier Beer yeah. League, uh, joining the likes of uh, Christian Pulisic, Zach Steffen, and others. That's right. And uh, also a lot of things for the just relegated teams to stay up is, can you steal a point here and there from the top six teams, let's say? And catching Liverpool the first game of the season could be a blessing. They got a chance to maybe a steal a point there very early on the season before Liverpool get their engines running. I guess we'll find out coming up this weekend, won't we? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm very excited to see the Premier League back. Obviously, a big fan of of the league, and uh, just excited to kind of have my Saturdays uh, filled up again with the Premier League schedule. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And and uh, one of the main things that we, when we invited you onto the show, was to talk about the Gold Cup in this summer. It seems a lifetime ago now since the final. It's only been about ten days, uh, eight days, I think. Uh, but uh, this was an exciting year for the USMT in the summer with both the Nations League and the Gold Cup. Uh, what were kind of your thoughts on what you saw from the U.S. men's national team during the Gold Cup? Uh, a nice, very nice victory over Mexico. Overall, I mean, uh, it was just a great, great kind of showing from the U.S. men's national team, uh, especially with a lot of guys. Obviously, the European stars were uh, on holiday and then, uh, getting ready for the new seasons in Europe. But um, I think Greg Berhalter has done a great job of kind of uh, picking that roster and getting the best out of them. And uh, overall giving, giving a lot of young guys a chance to, um, you know, kind of get their footing with the national team and maybe boost their stock a little bit as we go into World Cup qualifying in September. And um, but I think to to win every game you played, to concede only one goal, uh, obviously have um, some veteran guys like Jossie Zardis and uh, some others, Kellen Acosta in in the mix as well, uh, doing what doing well throughout the tournament, and then also some other guys, uh, younger guys, Miles Robinson, Matthew Hoppe. Um, Gianluca Buzio. I mean, uh, kind of the list goes on and on that uh, it seemed like every game there was a new kind of younger guy or maybe an ex inexperienced in a way uh, with the national team who uh, impressed. So uh, overall, it was a great job by the team. Uh, second consecutive trophy this summer and 
got to see a lot of different guys uh, come in the mix. And um, like I said, I think it's just going to um, benefit the, the squad as a whole going into World Cup qualifying, knowing that they're going to have three matches in September, uh, you know, right off the bat and, and do some traveling again down to the Caribbean and, and everything. And um, and then you're going to have to, you know, balance, obviously, uh, players in their, their seasons in Europe. So hopefully, uh, cross their fingers, nobody suffers any injuries along the way or anything like that but um it's going to be exciting to see obviously excited to cover it and um overall i think the the squad that was at the gold cup did exceptionally well of of kind of proving people wrong a little bit because um obviously the emphasis was on uh, mexico bringing a lot of talent to guys and, and them being the favorites but um you know a lot of these young guys and maybe uh i guess you could say maybe even b team guys uh, really rose to the occasion and uh set the standard for what this program is about uh in a whole yeah, I was really impressed. I, I liked uh, Berhalter's long-term vision in splitting up the two squads, uh, trying to get data on all these other guys for depth on the, uh, you know, on the main team coming into qualifiers because he's going to need a lot of depth. I mean, the first window is travel to El Salvador, back up the U.S. for Canada, and then travel back down to Honduras. There's just no way that all that he's going to subject even his A-listers to three games in a window like that. The, the clubs would be very ha unhappy with him. And international coaches need to stay you know, on somewhat good terms with the uh, their players, club coaches, and staff. Uh, so uh, finding a lot of depth, I think Kellen Acosta is the big one. We may have found our backup to Tyler Adams at the six. He comes out of it looking good. Miles Robinson really showed extremely well. Uh, and also... How about Sam Vines? He played pretty solid, and out of nowhere, he got this uh, transfer over to uh, Royal Antwerp in Belgium. Did you see that one coming? I did not. Well, I mean, uh, with Sam Vines, uh, I think there was a player who obviously had kind of maybe um, boosted his stock in MLS over the last few seasons with Colorado and kind of been on the radar a little bit uh, in Europe, but maybe not. Um, there hadn't been a lot of teams out there, uh, with their lame names linked to him, but, um, yeah, it was a deserved move, I think, for Sam Vines. I mean, obviously Antwerp's not a, uh, a huge team, but it's a team that he can go in, fight for minutes right away. Um, he takes a little bit of a different route into Europe, like some of these other players. Um, obviously, in, in Belgium, you have Mark McKenzie, and and also uh, I mean, Matt Miazga was just there last season with Anderlecht. So um, it's a good competitive league from what I've watched of it, and it gives players a really good chance to kind of develop earlier uh, to the European game than maybe if you went to a, a bigger club, say in England or Germany, and maybe had maybe was on the bench uh, a lot more. So, uh, But Sam Vines did impress. I, I thought he had a, a solid tournament. Uh, the other guys you listed, I think Kellen Acosta really um, got better as the tournament went on and as the stakes got higher. Miles Robinson, um, I think has to be the big winner I, uh, of the uh, of the Gold Cup. Him and Matt Turner uh, as well because of, of what they were able to do. And, and Robinson now uh, maybe gives Burhalter a bit of a uh, consideration to you know maybe partner John Brooks as the starting center back duo when qualifying. Nope, you still there, Larry? We lost you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> um, yeah, but Miles Robinson, if you look at his individual stats, he uh, uh, ex you know excelled in in aerial battles, one on one duels, um, tackles, passing out of the back. So uh, I think he did exceptionally well, and uh, and you know Vines did did well, and also Acosta. I think Shaq Moore did 
uh, well on his chances at, at right back and um, kind of a guy who's you know floated under the radar a little bit in the second division in Spain but now getting some reported links to move to uh, to La Liga uh, with some clubs in the mix so uh, overall I think a lot of guys uh, boosted their stock and now um, have great confidence going into qualifying hopefully making that roster and then also with their European clubs as they start their new season yeah it was a uh, very it and uh, I also like the way that Burhalter coached the team in the Gold Cup. He let the guys, some of them that didn't play too well, go ahead and get another run out, see what they did. Got the guys to hang together. The defense was tight, whereas in the Nations League, the A-listers, the defense was not necessarily as tight as we would have liked to have seen. But Burhalter also had Berhalter also had uh, some of his veteran guys, sometimes Zardas, Christian Roldan, Reggie Cannon, once he got healthy, to come in around the 65th minute and really seal the deal after the young guys. He got the data he needed. They kept him in the game, got him ahead, and then the uh, the veterans would come in and win. And it, it it played out that way in almost every game of the tournament. I think Burhalter's also a very big winner coming out of this tournament as well. Yeah, 100 percent. I think Burhalter has done a great job at really kind of picking um, his pool of players getting some guys in there who maybe, you know, wouldn't have been looked at uh, maybe if there was another coach in there um, and kind of finding these guys in the lower leagues of uh, whether it's uh, in Europe or guys that have been kind of exceeding expectation, early expectations in MLS. Um, I, I think he's done uh, exceptionally well in his time uh, as manager. Obviously people are going to maybe point back to the 2019 gold cup or, and stuff like that. But I think, um, being able to win the nation's league with your top players. Um, and then also bring home the gold cup this year with a lot of guys who were kind of on the fringe of making that world cup qualifying roster, uh, you know, job well done. And now, now they just got to get ready for qualifying. Cause we know what kind of animal that is. Um, you had touched on it with, with traveling and obviously three games in like seven or eight days. So, uh, it's going to be crucial. And now it's about making sure everyone comes in healthy, um, hopefully in good form and can now kind of piece that together um, on the national stage. Cause we've talked so much uh, we've seen, you know, a lot of uh, pundits and everything talk about, about uh, can these guys do it together on the national team stage? They've done it for their clubs. Um, and I think this is obviously with world cup qualifying of not making it in 2018, uh, it's huge for them to get back there with this roster. I, I, there, to me, there's no reason why they shouldn't be qualifying with this roster. And I, I think when it comes down to it, they are the best team in CONCACAF when you look at individual talent and, and putting them all together uh, to try to reach that goal. Yeah, they it, 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 Mexico, they've proven that they can beat Mexico. Mexico's not going to go away, but they're clearly the two best teams in uh, CONCACAF. Uh with the, the ones coming out of the rest of the region, got to really keep your eye on. I was impressed with Canada. Their young talents coming together. They've got to learn how to win the tough games against the big guys. But uh, eventually, they're going to get there and, and challenge a little better. Also, uh, the first game that they get is against El Salvador. And El Salvador really impressed me. Uh, unfortunately, they fell behind a Qatar, one with a pretty dodgy penalty, and then fought to the end and almost tied that up and really gave Mexico fits at the end of the game. I'm um, really was uh, pleased to see the job that Perez did there with that team. And I think uh, there's kind of a void because Costa Rica's off looking to see who's third and fourth. I 
looking right now, there's probably El Salvador, Canada, and Jamaica are the would be my picks. Two of those three to get on through World Cup qualifying in this window, barring any injuries or changes, of course. Yeah, I think El Salvador is a team that will definitely be tricky. Um, Canada, like you said, uh, got a lot of young talent, kind of their own golden generation right now with uh, guys like Alfonso Davies, who wasn't at the Gold Cup, but will be there for qualifying. Um, Tejan Buchanan, who has skyrocketed into a, a rising town in MLS and now getting his own reported links to go to Europe. Um, and then, you know, obviously other guys, Jonathan David at Lille, who, who plays with Tim Weah. Uh, and then also, you know, players like Kyle Lahren, Samuel Piet, you know, veteran guys who have been there um, and kind of, you know, been been the backbone of this team for a couple years now so and help them kind of get to this point so i think canada uh for sure will be in the mix uh jamaica again whenever you have um andre blake in goal uh a little biased because i live just outside of philadelphia so uh, i get to see andre blake make some great saves every week for the philadelphia union um and he's obviously the, the focal point there and then plus you add in there's the, a lot of uh you know a lot of guys from england uh who will be in the mix Mikel antonio uh bobby cordova reed players like that leon bailey so um so who now makes his move to the premier league so i think jamaica is a scary team to watch as well but um it has to be favorites at the top would be the u.s and mexico and then i think canada jamaica uh in the mix as well and i think there'll be some other uh you know surprises probably along the way and also also off that team uh john luca busio gets to join uh fc dallas's uh tanner tessman with uh venezia in syria their newly promoted team uh with uh, american uh ownership there and it's going to be interesting busio went for a nice amount of uh transfer fee especially with achievable bonuses it's going to be a nice piece of business for Kansas City he's got some things to work on but he's clearly extremely talented i just hope that uh they don't get buried with a very bad team in seria and kind of lose some of their way but i think those are good moves as well definitely good moves i think uh agreeing with you there i think uh, Buzio making the move. I think he, it was only a matter of time before uh, he got plucked by one of the European uh, teams. And, and like you said, joins Tanner Tessman, who uh, made the move from, from Dallas. Uh, both these guys, 19 year old, years old. Uh, Buzio, more experience uh, at the MLS level than Tessman, but I think um, both obviously have high ceilings and I think uh, should be uh, exciting players to watch as uh, Venezia now tries to uh, you know stay in the Serie A and um, and overall make it a long-term stay it won't be easy but I think um, you know whether they stay promoted uh, you know in the first division or if they get relegated I think this is kind of great experience for these guys who um, you know wouldn't have kind of that pressure in MLS with promotion relegation so uh, both players will be uh, probably chomping at the bit to get going there in Italy. Yeah, and it, no matter how the season goes, it's a nice address to be playing in. Uh, it built playing in Venice. It, it, it's pretty good for those young guys. They should be enjoying their lives. Um, also today, got to watch uh, one uh, young American that I'm not that familiar with, though I've certainly heard about him. I just haven't seen him play a lot. Joe Scali played the entire game, I believe, for uh, Globach in their Pokal Cup uh game today seemed to have done a pretty good job had one 
very uh, physical tackle, let's say. Got him a yellow card I saw at the end of that game. Uh, he's someone else to watch. There's a lot of people coming up. Uh, Comrade De La Fuente for uh, Marseille against Montpellier. He was a monster, he, especially in the first half through most of the game. He was just destroying Montpellier. Uh, only got the one assist in that game, but he, he made the uh, Ligue 1 uh, top 11 for the week. Uh, in his first game in Ligue coming from Barcelona, where he didn't play much. He's the exciting player that we haven't seen yet on the national team stage coming in. There's going to be more and more, I got a feeling as well. Champagne problems, as uh, Tata Martino uh, used to say at uh, Atlanta United with all the players. Berhalter's got some champagne problems trying to get uh, everything lined up and ready to go for World Cup qualifying. Uh, any other observations of young Americans out there that I may have missed? Well, I think you you hit it right on the head. Uh, Joe Scally's a, a player who I've been kind of watching and, and tweeting about more frequently. Um, just his uh, rapid development at, at Gladbach, and, and uh, obviously I know German outlet kicker had picked him as their preseason uh, winner of the of the squad uh, in the summer, um, being able to kind of play through some friendlies, and then today making his competitive debut for the first team in that one nothing. German Cup win um, and overall I think is going to uh, be in the mix for some more playing time because uh, I know he's only 18 years old and only had about 15 appearances under his belt with the second team last season but uh, impressed and obviously now has this chance uh, to be a, a squad player obviously with some transfers uh, in and out in the club uh, this summer so uh, Scally's a kid that I think uh, you know will have um, a lot of people focused on him. He, I, obviously, we've seen a lot of the, the Bundesliga guys, so um, he's probably the guy I'm most interested to watch more of because we've seen Tyler Adams in the Bundesliga. We've seen kind of Gio Reyna uh, and some others at that level. Uh, so uh, Scally's one. I think Conrad ha had a great performance, kind of helped spring that comeback, the 3-2 win with the assist. Uh, and overall, has been really lively throughout the preseason uh, friendlies. So he's another guy I think that'll be uh, eager to kind of get some good form going uh, in Liga and then hopefully get a call in for the national team. Um, but then overall, I think looking at um, maybe some other guys, um, you know, I guess I'm excited, uh, you know, I'm excited to watch this season. Uh, Rain is one of them. I think he's going to have a bigger role for Dortmund now that Jaden Sancho is, is has moved on to Manchester United. Um, the, Zach Steffen, obviously, he had a great performance uh, against Leicester City in the Community Shield loss, but um, hopefully more playing time for him. Uh, it's going to be tough with Ederson there. I think Ederson's going to get the bulk of the, the reps, but Steffen showed last season that he could uh, step up step up to the occasion and obviously won the League Cup final, featured in the Champions League and in the Premier League and, and also the FA Cup. So uh, I think uh, he, he'll also be uh, another player to kind of watch is, uh, we see, you know, how his future at Manchester City goes. But uh, overall, excited kind of for this this full slate of Americans abroad in Europe uh, scheduled to get going. We've had some guys, Brandon Aronson, Mark McKenzie, uh, already start their seasons and now uh, just about ready to kick off all the, the top flight divisions throughout Europe. Yeah, it's an exciting time. Lots of stuff going on. And we've got Leagues Cup between uh, select MLS franchises and teams from La Liga starting up starting tomorrow I believe that's kicking off uh, MLS is going to start you know coming out of the doldrums this summer World Cup qualifying is only three weeks away for the first window now uh, 
it just never ends in the soccer world, does it? No, not at all. It's uh, no, there's no real break uh, with this with all this action. Obviously, with the tournaments being postponed last year, um, you know the Euros and and Copa America this summer and the Olympics and uh, all the other things. You know, you had mentioned MLS and and now these European competitions. It's uh, if you're a fan of the sport, you are in dreamland because there's a lot going on. And uh, and if you're an American fan, um, then that you're also in dreamland because you got a lot of stuff coming on and you got a lot of players right now playing at a high level. And a uh, difference from when I was young, when you could never watch any soccer on television. Now we've got like the best coverage in the world. You can watch all the soccers out there. I mean, you can even catch all of the uh, English premier league championship games on ESPN plus it's kind of nuts right now. Not enough time in the day to uh, catch all these teams. Plus MLS is, what, 28 teams now or with two more coming on, 27? Big league, so it's hard to keep track of all that as well. So it's going to keep you busy all the time on your Twitter and Substack and everything that you do. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Uh, obviously, it's uh, I don't even need cable half the time with all this stuff on ESPN Plus now. Uh, like you said, championship, a lot of other top leagues come into ESPN Plus. Um, and then, you know, you have the Premier League on NBC Sports and, and Peacock as well. And uh, so it's definitely a lot going on and, and uh, a lot of fun stuff coming up uh, around the corner as we touched on uh, World Cup qualifying, the return of the Champions League, uh, uh, CONCACAF Champions League continuing this week with the Philadelphia Union uh, as the lone MLS team left. So uh, plenty, to, plenty to discuss and plenty to watch. Yeah, and speaking of uh, young kids, there was a young kid for uh, the Union impressed the other night, uh, uh, Paxson Aronson. With a scorcher of a goal. That was fun to see, even though the Union took the loss against the Revs. He scored that scorcher past Matt Turner. So uh, another up-and-comer up and we're going to be having to keep our eye on. Union have a few after they sold off McKenzie and Aronson. They seem to be well-stocked. That, that academy's really starting to pay off for the Union, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Jim Curtin, I think, deserves a lot of credit for what he's been able to do with that team. I, I know um, a lot of fans maybe wanted him uh, out as head coach after the, the early days there. But, um, you know, he, he I, I feel they've forgiven him by now because uh, the amount of young talent they've been able to produce, Aronson and McKenzie, uh, now uh, going off to Europe and, and trying to fight it themselves into the national team picture um Paxton Aronson scores his first goal uh last night against New England and then you have some other guys there who um obviously started in that match with the CONCACAF Champions League first leg coming up this week so uh they wanted some rotation but Quinn Sullivan's another one uh Jack mm -hmm. Jack McGlynn also started in that game and and then you also have uh some other guys who have kind of been in the mix with the national youth national teams at the u.s level matt real who um unfortunately is sitting behind kai wagner who's one of the top left backs in the league so he hasn't been playing much but uh he's there and then matt freeze the goaltender uh who uh again is in the same situation at, as real because you have andre blake in front of him so um but the union i think have to be up there with some of the best academies in mls uh fc dallas uh, another one uh for sure for what they've been able to kind of produce and um i think the union are going to continue to kind of grow that uh you know, grow because they put a lot of effort into it and, and they give players a young uh, chance at a young age and it's worked out for them. 
Yeah, and I know uh, St. Louis City SC is already starting a building and training with their academy already. They'll be in the uh, MLS uh, lower division league, whatever they're calling it, uh, for the rookies next year. Something for us to watch. But uh, I'm sure that they're looking at what the Union, FC Dallas, and some of the other better academies around the country are doing. Uh, good thing for us that we're already getting our academy up and running and going to start play a full season before the, even the first team gets on the field. That's a big boost for a team like that in MLS. I think they're going to go the route of uh, bringing up young players, getting them on the first team, transfer them out, you know, the new MLS 4.0, basically with being involved in the world market. So I'm excited to see the home team, if we ever get to see him. It seems so far away right now, but uh, it's exciting time to be an American soccer fan. There's so many kids out there. And the other thing to remember about these kids is I've, I'm expecting uh, us to get through World Cup qualifying. Can't assume it anymore, as we learned last year. But uh, the World Cup is still, what, a 14 months away? Yep. That's a long time for some of these kids to develop. It's also a long time for some people that we think are on the first team to actually lose playing time with their team and fall out of form. So it's going to be exciting, you know, next 14 months to watch and a lot to talk about when it comes to the United States men's national team. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I just think, uh, you know, right there with you on that, uh, a lot of time until uh, the World Cup actually begins. Um, so the, a lot can happen. A lot of guys can uh, boost their stock even more. Um, maybe some guys who uh, haven't been in the picture might get themselves in the picture. And then also uh, some guys who might be first uh, first 11 starters right now could fall out of that situation. So uh, definitely a lot. It still can happen. I think we're going to see uh, some more young guys maybe force their way into the mix. Um, and uh, overall, I just think that Greg Berhalter is going to have to, uh, you know, obviously make a lot of tough decisions when it comes down to um, who he's going to pick for qualifying and who he's going to leave out. Um, but I, I still think, uh, you know, the U.S. have a very deep pool of guys and uh, the Gold Cup showed that and the confidence I think in those guys have definitely grown and also the confidence that Burhalter has in them have, have grown. So uh, overall exciting times and, uh, and, and wanted to touch on St. Louis cause uh, I definitely am excited to see how their, their program goes. Uh, hopefully you can get out to a game or two uh, and see it, but uh, it sounds very exciting. Obviously, there's been some guys kind of obviously in, before that have talked about it. I know Tim Ream has, has um, talked about it before. I, I interviewed him uh, last year for SBI and, and we had talked about St. Louis and he was very kind of excited for that project to start and obviously hinted at maybe he, um, you know, ends his career there. We'll see. But um, so a lot mm -hmm. can still happen if Fulham gets back to the Premier League. But uh, overall, I think it's an exciting uh, place to have a, a franchise and uh, very interested to see the route that they go and who they bring in. Yeah, uh, we're interesting to see, too. And Josh Sargent's just, uh, you know, just as the epitome right now of how strong the youth development and the and just the uh, soccer culture in St. Louis is. So I expect their academy to be strong. I don't expect them to be flashy big spenders. I think they're going to build within on that. And uh, also, uh, the sporting director, Lutz Finensteel, did mention uh, that uh, he wanted to get a mix of veterans in as well. And that's something uh, Berhalter might have to think about in the World Cup as well. We got so much exciting young talent 
but usually you need some veterans that have been around and they're hard to come by. They've been in a World Cup right now for the U.S., but he's going to have to mix in some. So there's going to be some very good talent for the U.S. left out of the national team. And that's not something we've said a lot about this team, uh, where you can justify leaving a great talent at home because it just doesn't fit into the roster. So champagne problems, as I said before. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it's unfortunate a bit only because, like you said, there's going to be some guys that might not make qualifying or uh you know these big time matches but um that's just the way it goes and i think uh you ask any of the any u.s men's national team fan um they would rather have obviously the bigger um the bigger pool of guys than maybe um so like some of these uh, you know like some of the instead of like some of these other uh national teams in Concacaf that rely on a star player to like uh you know like jamaica or um like canada and stuff like that. So uh, overall, uh, Berhalter is going to, you know, get his money's worth uh, uh, making these decisions. And um, and uh, but I think overall they're going to have a lot of talent to choose from, and and a lot of the expected guys that we we think will be there will probably be there. So um, excited to see how it uh, plans out. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. We're looking forward to all of the games on that. Um, Union's got uh, it. Are the Union in the uh, the League's Cup? They are not. They are, uh, yeah, so. Um, but they've got a semifinal coming up in the Champions League, though. Yes, yeah, they're they're heading down to, they actually flew out today to go down to Club America. Um, the first leg is down there on Thursday, and then the return leg is, um, I, I believe it's September uh September 15th uh, is the second leg at Subaru Park. So, uh, yeah, they're the only MLS team left. Um, so uh, their MLS's best chance of bringing home the Champions League uh, this year. And um, But I think they, they have a, a daunting t- task in front of them because Club America is obviously one of the biggest clubs in Mexico. Um, they've only, they're only three games into their league season, but um, they haven't lost any. And the Union are kind of struggling for some form right now uh, in MLS. Uh, you know, I know they, they lost last night with a rotated squad, but um, even before that, they had only won, I believe, three of their last nine before that. So um, definitely a, a tough task for them. But I think, um, you know, they are they they have you know been known to su- surprise some teams in MLS. So maybe they can do that uh, down in Mexico City this week. Yeah. Also, another big uh, learning curve for a lot of those young union players is now they get to step in as, as Tekka in a competitive match. That's going to that'll put some years on your experience level just doing that and going up against a storied franchise like Club America, which may be the biggest the biggest club in the Western Hemisphere, perhaps. Yeah, I think it's uh, going to be exciting for these players. I mean, if I was a player in that situation, some of these young guys who have never kind of played in that stadium or in a stadium that size. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely daunting, but probably exciting a little bit. No, to know that so. you're playing on that that uh that famous um you know that famous stadium and, and all so uh like I said it'll be a tough task and probably not a lot of people were expecting the union to come back with a result but um again they've surprised some teams in the past obviously they surprised a lot of 
teams in MLS last year winning the Supporters' Shield for the first time and um, have already advanced two rounds uh, in the CONCACAF Champions League uh, this season in their debut in the competition. So uh, we'll be excited to see how it kind of shakes out and hopefully they're fit and ready to go because now, like I said, they rotated a lot of guys uh, on Sunday night. So uh, I'm sure everyone will be excited, uh, you know, in my neck of the woods here uh, for that match. And uh, I'm going to switch gears on us a little bit because I can already hear our listeners uh, shouting out at us. What about Lionel Messi? We probably broke the record for the longest uh, soccer podcast that didn't mention Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona. As of uh, this is uh, Monday afternoon that we're recording. As of now, he has not officially signed with uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Everybody is expecting it. But uh, boy, did Barcelona make a mess out of themselves especially after they got the money for Neymar on his uh, his transfer up to PSG. What do you make of that situation? Yeah, it's a situation that I, I didn't really see coming. Um, I mean, uh, obviously Lionel Messi has been a great servant to the club, a legend, uh, you know, but um, seeing him you know, leave Barcelona is my mind still kind of trying to wrap itself around it because it was kind of just like Ronaldo leaving Real Madrid. Um, and a lot of these kind of legends uh, of the game leave, you know, Frank Lampard back in the day, Wayne Rooney, um, other guys. So, um, but I think overall it's an exciting challenge for Messi now to kind of show that he can do, do, you know, win, titles win trophies at a new a new team obviously it's a team that's um stacked with talent with Kylian Mbappe and Neymar and a lot of others but um overall I think it's going to be exciting to see him obviously donning a new kid and playing in Paris and and also in the Champions League and um I, I think obviously they're probably they're easily going to be the favorites now in the Champions League and and all, uh, I'm sure a lot of other teams will have something to say about that. Chelsea, Man City, um, some others. But uh, overall, I think it's uh, you know it's an exciting move in a way for European football because now you have a guy like uh, Messi making the move to a different country, like Ronaldo did when he um, went to Juventus. And uh, I think it's just gonna uh, you know up the ante a little bit for maybe some other players, some other big name guys that who. Um, we could see in the, on the move next, but uh, definitely a mess uh, for Barcelona. Now um, you have to wonder where they're going to be in La Liga because um, Messi's gone. Sergio Aguero is out uh, with a lengthy injury um, and uh, definitely, uh, definitely not favorites to win it this season, but um, who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, definitely I don't think they're going to be uh, in the mix to win that La Liga trophy this season. I did have a, Little wonder in the back of my mind if will Barcelona actually perhaps play even stronger if Messi's not there? I don't see that happening. But it seemed at points last year when I saw him that uh, sometimes they just stood around and waited for Messi to do things. Of course, Messi's the kind of player that can do things and win games. Uh, they did come out in their first match without him and get that victory over Juventus in that friendly cup match that they just played over the weekend. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. I know uh, ESPN Plus must be loving this after they just signed a billion dollars worth, what was it, eight years for La Liga yep. on ESPN Plus? Uh, mm -hmm. It's got to be welcome news there in Bristol, Connecticut, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, 
I think you're going to see a lot more people, uh, you know, focusing maybe on some some other uh, leagues or matches that are going to be going on the same time as Barcelona. But um, no, I think it's just going to be a situation now where you're going to have to force some other guys to kind of step up and and show what they're capable of doing. Um, you hit it on the head with the fact that last season, a lot of times I watched Barcelona and again, Messi, you know, Messi is the type of player who can win games and, and put the team on his back. But a lot of guys kind of waited for him to deliver that moment. And um, he's getting older now. And, and uh, now you look at the, the roster and you guys say, okay, who else is going to step up? And uh, I think it's going to be kind of a, a great learning experience for some of these guys that are um, forcing their way into the Barcelona squad. And then also some of these uh, guys that have been around for a while uh, in Europe that um, for them to kind of steal the show and maybe surpri- surprise a lot of the fans and pundits over there. So um, it definitely uh, going to be keeping an eye on it. Uh, maybe not as much as I would if Messi was there, but uh, I will be watching more league on. That's for sure. And uh, going to wrap this up pretty soon. I thank you and really appreciate all the time that you're giving us. This is great stuff. Um, going to go on a little lighter note. Uh, been f- looking at following MLS now for a decade and uh, and you're in the Philadelphia. What does dupe mean that I see on the Twitter? Well, um, it, it doesn't actually stand, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like, you know, uh, the letters itself don't mean anything. But so when I was younger and, and probably going to games as a fan before uh, I graduated college and everything, um, that was the the anthem of the club based off the, the goal song um, that they had. Um, and I actually even you know, probably before that I was going to Philadelphia Flyers hockey games and they had that song. Uh, it's by, uh, an artist called Scooter. It's a electronic dance music artist. Um, and that, that was the, the anthem in the song. Uh, and so when I would go to the Flyers games, the Flyers score a goal, that was their goal song. Then the union took it over. Um, and uh, and since then, it's kind of stuck with the team where um, that that's been their kind of their anthem. That's the, been the way they like to express themselves. So um, so you can thank uh, the electronic dance music artist Scooter for that. Um, and since then, uh, it's kind of been a crazy phenomenon uh, here. Um, you see car stickers, you see teeth. T-shirts, you see tattoos. Um, overall, it's uh, been pretty cool to see. But uh, that that I hope I hope I answered it for you a little bit better. Oh, definitely. And uh, thank you for that. And uh, thanks to Scooter for giving us dupe in the world. We need more dupe in our world. That's for sure. Uh, going to go ahead and wrap this up. I really thank you for your time. This has been great talking to you, uh, Larry. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, give the listeners again where you, they can find some of the things that you're writing. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, lhenry019. Um, uh, as you said, uh, do a lot of uh, tweeting there about uh, MLS, Americans Abroad, U.S. Men's National Team, even some uh, Premier League as well, and the, the Women's National Team uh, when able to cover that. And um, and then uh, my sub stack, it, it, you can find that at Upper90Soccer. Uh, 
trying to deliver more content there now that I'm making my, uh, you know, move away from SBI and credit to Ivis Galarcep for, you know, all the years there, four and a half years. It's been uh, great and he's still a great mentor and friend to me. So, um, you know, excited to see him uh, again down the road. But uh, so upper 90 soccer, uh, International Champions Cup uh, as well. Uh, and then uh, L Henry 019 uh, Twitter. Uh, Message is always open. So if you want to talk any U.S. men's national team or uh, pick my brain about more Philadelphia Union uh, knowledge, uh, feel free. Yes, uh, listeners, go ahead. If you're not already, go ahead and uh, check up on what Larry Henry puts out. I've been impressed, and he, it's always keeping me up to date and pretty much everybody else in the U.S. soccer culture. Uh, so really appreciate it, Larry. Uh, best of luck going forward, and uh, we really appreciate your time here at the Soccer Capital Podcast. Take care. Thank you so much. You too. And ladies and gentlemen, that was Larry Henry Jr. Good stuff from him. And uh, if you want to know how to follow him, we'll put that for his Twitter and his Substack in the show notes for you all. And you should follow him on Twitter. The guy just pumps out a ton of content. It's a good way to keep up on everything going in the world. Uh, what you guys think of it? Uh, I was a big fan. I enjoyed what he had to say a lot. Um, I sat in on the interview just to, you know, record, make sure everything went smooth, but I didn't, I left that a, a one-on-one, but I was really impressed with the insights that he brought, especially just about just Mer- Americans abroad in general playing overseas. Yeah. One thing I, I noticed, yeah, I noticed that, uh, I didn't know that we had as many guys over in, in Europe as we actually do, uh, very reassuring. Um, but yeah, I, I do think the new, the new model special that he was talking about spe- specifically, you guys are talking about how our MLS academies are bringing these guys up. Europe's snatching them up, and now they're playing for the national team. I, I think that really is a credit to how good the academies are becoming on this side of the pond. And what little information I got from Lutz Feinensteel for uh, St. Louis City, it appears as if that really fits into the plan of what they're wanting to do. You know, they're going to have a big academy with all that talent in the city. Uh, bring them up, bring the first team, ship them out, uh, put money back in the academy, maybe sign some good veterans. They're not going to splash a lot of cash. Exciting stuff. So that was a inter- that was a really good interview. Glad we had that. Yeah. One thing that this is definitely going to affect is homegrown territories uh, because without the, the C- STL City SC, uh, Kansas City basically had the entirety of Missouri. You can only go so far to count them as quote-unquote homegrown players because then you're impeding on other people. With 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 City SC, I don't know how that's going to shake out, but I, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, there are going to be fist fights in the uh, in the offices of MLS between the owners <laughs> and the club, uh, the league, and everything. There, uh, unfortunately, probably uh, Minnesota has the rights to everything since they don't have an academy, like what happened with uh, Caden Clark, who without an academy, Red Bulls had to spend a lot of money to get him out to put him in their academy. Uh, so interesting stuff. It's funny how all this stuff works out. They should get just get rid of the homegrown territories and let it be free for all, in my opinion. But that's not the way MLS is built. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, no, I, I totally agree with that, because how else are you going to get more John Luca Busio's coming through from North Carolina, but playing in Kansas City when he's 14? Yeah, because now he'd be uh, owned by Charlotte and you'd have to buy him off of him uh, coming up next year. Yep. Also, there were some other, a couple other things in MLS news that I wanted to cover that we didn't get to in the interview. 
Interesting one happening with the San Jose Earthquakes, who earlier had fired their uh, chief soccer officer, Jesse Fiernelli, who came over from Europe and really didn't do a very good job. He spent a lot of money on Europe players that did not adjust to MLS and the way that the team plays. Uh, they fired him. Former interim coach and uh, current technical advisor Chris Leach is fil uh, filling in. And he go ahead and made a swap with uh, Portland for striker Jeremy Obobese, uh for $1.167 in general allocation money. GAM's different than TAM. TAM has to be spent on players. GAM, general allocation, is allowed to be spent anywhere within the uh, franchise. That's a, that's a lot of GAM. I haven't seen that in a trade within the league before. And uh, plus now San Jose gets fills a hole up front as Wondolowski isn't really play, able to play a full 90. Uh, Bobasi had been working on the wing. He's good at hooking up play. He can score. He's someone that we wanted to see start. And now he gets a new fresh start with San Jose, who's been playing very well as of late under Matias Almeida. Any observations on that, Sean? Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen a GAM that big, but... Uh... I'm also not exactly a huge fan of how the the quote unquote Garber Bucks, as we call them, work. I, I think mm -hmm. it kind of handcuffs teams, but I definitely like to see a Bobasi, you know, finally getting some real time to play. Yeah, it it is. It's due because uh and then I, I loved uh Savarese, the coach of Portland, how he was acting like he was all upset the Bobasi left, but he never really played him as an iron and stuck him on the wing. That was funny. A lot of observers had fun with that. Another one is, well, Atlanta United. What a mess they are. Uh, they had rumors that they were going to sign like four big guys all over the place. Uh, ended up signing uh, uh, Luis Araujo. Comes from League One Champions Little for 11, I believe it was a reported 11.8 million transfer fee for him. Uh, that's a big coup, actually getting someone from Little. Uh, that just won league one last year. The big deal. Uh, also a big deal because they still don't have a coach. <laughs> so uh, they are. Uh, rumors are that Sounders assistant Gonzalo Pineda is the front runner to be hired as a coach. Uh, he is perhaps the top of the list among assistant coaches in MLS. Interesting that Atlanta United would go with a coach within MLS. Probably something they've needed to do after failing a couple of times on the international market. So we'll keep an eye on that with Atlanta United. And uh, before we and they, go ahead, Sean. I was just going to say, they really couldn't have picked a better, they, they couldn't pick a better assistant because that Sounders crew has been together for so long and they've been just universally dominant really since they came into the league. So he knows what it takes to build a good system. And, you know, who knows, maybe Atlanta gets back to being a top tier team again. It could be. They got talent. Is the roster built the right way? We don't know. One thing I have to say about the Sounders is they have one incredible soccer culture there. It doesn't matter who get hurts, who's out of the lineup, which they face this year, the next guy always steps up. So that's very impressive. And and really, the league could use a strong U Atlanta United. They jumped in with a big thing. They made a splash internationally, you know, transfer market and all that. There's a lot going on that's good for the league if they play well. Uh, so I'll I I really do wish them luck. Yeah, they came out hot. And um, big thing that, that you and I have talked about previously is how they were kind of like for a lot of people who were transplants to Atlanta, their first like home team there. So they built up a really big local fan base and they performed well. 
um, their first couple of years, but lately they just have not been able to hold it together. And one thing with what's going on, the way they're running through coaches, they're spending a lot in the transfer market. They're not getting results. Uh, Arthur Blank, who I think is a good owner, but he seems to be going down the path that Ellis Short did at Sunderland, just getting bad advice from the front office, throwing money at problems, changing things around, not allowing to build. And, you know, it's not going to happen in MLS, but Sunderland have dropped two tiers in the English Premier League. I hope that's not the case. I'd really like them to be a strong team. And before we wrap things up, there's a feature here since Sean's with us, and uh, we want to do it every time he does, is able to join, which should be most times we're hoping, because uh, we're anticipating a nice, strong rivalry between Sporting KC and St. Louis City as things go along. Now, hopefully, they'll be in the same conference. That would be great. be really weird if they weren't. Uh, but uh, we believe that it's important to get to know thy enemy, so... Let's go ahead and let Sean have his notes on Sporting Kansas City. Take it away, Sean. All right. Well, at time of recording, Sporting's got uh, got a match this evening against Leon for the uh, Nations League, Nations Cup. It's just replacing the CONCACAF Champions League to try to mitigate some of the concerns from the MLS sides. But big draw tonight. Going to see how it goes. But for those of you just tuned in and don't really know much about Sporting, it's it's got a lot of that same culture that Seattle's got built up around him. Next man up. We've been dealing with a lot of injuries, playing a lot of homegrown players this year. And if you can do that, you know your depth is there. Um, but the biggest thing is you got to know who you're going up against when you're going up against Peter Vermees, former player, played for the Wizards back when they were still the Wizards, and now he's arguably one of the best coaches in MLS. So you got you got to know if you're going up against Sporting. You're going to have a tough time regardless of who we're putting on the pitch. Uh, it's nice that you draw the parallel between the Sounders and Sporting in that uh, Brian Schmetzer has been with the Sounders since, you know, well before they were MLS as a player, as a manager, as an assistant coach under Ziggy Schmidt, and now the head coach again with uh, winning trophies. That's a very good parallel. I hadn't really put that into place. Good point, Sean. Yeah, two of the best coaches in MLS history, and it's you really can't. You can't not mention it. You got two of the best sides in MLS perennially, regardless if they have a down year or not. They've got two of the best coaches. So it also corresponds with the fact that they've got great cultures built around them. They're, they've got great fan bases. Why else would uh, you know new incoming teams go and look at them and say, all right, we want to build this and take notes from them? It's because greatness breeds greatness. And I can't wait for the rivalry. No, I can't wait either. Yeah. Should be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, but that's like what we touched on last time we were talking uh, about how uh, people from the club and uh, the supporters uh, groups went out to see the cauldron and actually experience the game in and around it to take notes uh, on what we can basically steal <laughs> from what they've built there. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad they went to Kansas City rather than go to FC Cincinnati, the Chicago Fire. <laughs> so kudos to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's although we still have a fierce rivalry in in Kansas City with uh, with the Fire. We don't see them all that often. They're also not they're not up there anymore. They they used to be big guys, and now they're just kind of middle of the table, I guess, at best. So looking for that next new rival who's gonna really spark us to be better, and I, I really hope it's City. I hope so, too. That's something to look forward to. So I think that's uh, enough for this week. 
on the Soccer Capital Podcast. Remember, it would really help us out if you go ahead and subscribe to your uh, podcast provider and uh, rate and review. It really helps the show a lot. So I'm Mike Turner, your host for Sean Campbell and producer Mason. Thank you very much for joining us for another episode. We'll be back next week and have a good day. Bye for now.